the best way, honestly, to, to get to the anima in that transcendent sense is to go mm. after the platonic form and then relate to a real woman. And that, that will bridge it on the outside and the inside. And it will it it's release. It's job done, isn't it? job is done mm. at that point. It's released. It's released. It's mm. brought into the world. It's instantiated. Mm. You have to make a suitable home for the anima as a man in yourself. You have to, you have to build the vessel. Otherwise, it won't be there. And you can't insist that an outer woman does it for you. No. You, you have to create the vessel. If you do that, you will attract the right woman. Hello again, my friends, and welcome back to Young to Live By. I've decided, as you can, as you can see, to spawn a disgusting teenage beard because it's lockdown and we're all stuck in Plato's cave, basically. But, but, outside of Plato's cave, there is the sun. And the sun, of course, is the form of the good. And we're going to be talking about Plato's forms in some depth over the course of this conversation. So welcome back. Of course, we're going to be talking about Lilith today. We dropped a very mysterious trailer yesterday, just out of the blue. It's like, by the way, there's a movie being made. And it's been penned by Steve and by Pauline. It's like, well, what the hell is this thing all about? Where did this come from? So that's what we want to explore today, as well as the anima and the animus in particular and how they relate to individuation. Clearing some of those things up. Because there's a, there's a really beautiful thing about fiction and myth. And it's not something that you get from textbooks or from theory. And that really appeals to myself. It really, really does. And I know it appeals to a lot of you guys, that TI way of, of, of analyzing things and going, oh, I, I have recognized the anima in this, in this myth. And therefore it's like, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's watching them come to life on a screen or on a page, which is what makes things so healing. That's what myths are. They're, they're healing if they're told in the right way. And so I want to ask, so I'll begin by asking Steve, where did this story come from with Lilith? That's probably the best place to start, to be honest with you. You've mentioned before, and I've put it up on the on the, the page where you can pick up the book, Lilith, and of course we'd appreciate it if you did that, and it'd be very, very useful for your individuation journey, sincerely. And I, I want to get into that a little bit later as to how useful that particular story was for myself. But I'm curious, Steve, as to where the story came from. Because you've mentioned that your your it's femme inspiration le orchidie or your 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 muse Pauline basically was the starting point to where this story came from. So I'm curious as to how that process went down. It's it's hard to explain really. I, I guess the the analog is an artist, you know, a fine artist muse. Um, in that sense, but I'm not a, a fine artist. I can't paint in at all or draw it in that sense. Um, but it's the same function because the relationship then is is a canvas upon which the the unconscious projects uh but internally rather than externally so rather than use an external artist muse like say the pre-raphaelite brotherhood used lizzie siddle um it's an internal representation and that then is a trigger for engaging everything else with it if it didn't have that and I hadn't had that as a continuity of relationship because obviously we're older now, you know, um, but we've been together a long time. Um, <clears throat> and I've, I've been with Pauline since she was 16. Uh, I met her when she was 15. And in that sense, she's grown with me and she's grown through the, the phases of adaptation of being a woman uh, with me as I matured as a man. And we shared a great deal in life, uh, including um, all the Jungian elements too. That's uh, that's very very significant creatively, because 
she is therefore an inner image for me and a portal to articulate other things so yeah you know if you if you know about the pre-raphaelite brotherhood rossetti millet and holman hunt the, mm. the, the three originals and their relationship with initially uh, lizzie siddle uh, they basically fought over it, like who was going to paint her, who was going to have this creative relationship with her. But before they met her, they had an image, an idea in mind. That she had to have red hair, long red hair, uh, and have a particular look, because they all knew mm. that this image they had within, which, if you like, is close to a platonic form, at least for them, as they understood it, within consciousness. They had to find the girl externally, who would trigger the release of their creativity from within. That's because their creativity is external, but if you're a writer or a filmmaker, even though there are external elements to that, it's still internal where you access it first because it's a very solitary process of creativity. You have to engage with that. You have to engage with it emotionally. So my connection to uh, the feminine is very, very much rooted in my relationship to Pauline. Obviously, it's it's just uh, the way that that's been. Um, but psychologically, in terms of uh, Jungian psychology, um, I feel that I understand the anima very, very well. Uh, and that's a huge claim to make, but I've been at that particular journey consciously for 47 years of my life, um, fully engaged in that. Um, and I've gone some pretty strange places with respect to the power of that image and uh, relating to an external person, Pauline, uh, and then mediating that inner and transcendent element through a real physical and grounded relationship to an external woman and then using that for the creativity. So that's the bedrock for it. But the thing is that they're all ideas, you know, they're, they don't actually tell you about the process. The process itself is different because it's a living thing and it's it's led through emotion and it also takes you over and goes places that you don't know about when you start even though you have a theoretical idea about it probably you know and even some experience of it when it really kicks off it goes its own way uh, and that basically is is how it happens so my relationship to her triggers every female character in all of all of the scripts and everything else. Not because necessarily she's done anything like it, which she hasn't in the most part. Like some I'm of glad those, you've uh, added that. Uh, that's yeah. okay. Uh, <coughs> uh, have, uh, have done or experienced it's because that that you use the the muse that you work with as the portal to the transcendence. And to the unconscious this is how the animal works on the inside now if the inner representation and the outer mm. representation are separate that can cause a problem in terms of your outer relationships because you know there, there is that mismatch then if you know somebody deeply in an emotional way and in terms of of their on the surface personality and then deeper down into their character and deeper still down into the essence of their being which you can call their soul there's not going to be an easier separation as there would be if you only knew someone superficially just say through a biological relationship 
but if you have those other deepening levels of uh, relationship then you can use that external image to trigger you on the inside um, and that for me is how it works so when you when you came to to write this thing uh, when, when did the um, you told me before and this would have been off air it didn't originally start as Lilith did it it was Nemesis when you first started I'll show you the, yeah, yeah. This is the, uh, a version of the original book. And of course, who's that? Who's that on the front cover? Oh, that, that's Pauline uh, as she was. Uh, about, she's yet to pay me for that, by the about, way. About Jane. thirty-six years ago. <clears throat> but she's got the, the the long auburn chestnut hair that she had in those days on it. It was, it was called Nemesis. I'll just try and get the, the light off the screen. Um, she didn't pose for that shot, by the way. I, I, um, she was a bit annoyed with me at I the was, time. On the day. On yeah. the day, because she's yeah. trying to get out the door of the house mm. and I kind of pinned her up against the wall and took a photograph. Yeah. Which I was wont to do in those days. <laughs> and um, We didn't have mobile phones yeah. then, so we had to use real cameras, so it was a real pain having to do it. And a, a real pain being on the receiving end of it, too, probably. <laughs> Hence but, the expression. Uh, hence the, uh, the the look of uh, you know vengeance and nemesis that was coming out <laughs> because I, I dared to pin her up against the wall. Years later, uh, when I came to, to to pen the story and once it started to come through and I realised that I needed an image, well, not so very long ago when Google wasn't as extensive as it is, um, you know, you, you'd have to pay someone for an image. I thought, well, I've got a picture, I'll just stick that on the front. Yeah. And it was literally that. It was for, for no outer reason other than the fact that I needed an image to go on the front. Um, now, that's that's on the outside. On the inside, of course, because I, I do use her as a creative muse, obviously, or I relate to her as one, uh, then it was, oh, yeah, that'll do, you know. Um, so there was, if you like... A rapport between the inner and the outer which led to the results and from either perspective it's valid the the inner choice and the outer rationalization for why that image was used that they, they reached the same conclusion so yeah nemesis um how it came came to be um done is that uh <clears throat> i wrote a trilogy of books and the bbc were interested in them and that was in 2007 and then the financial crisis kicked in we had a producer involved a local one in, in liverpool uh, colin McEwen, who's well known um done films loads of tv uh, and, and things like that. he really believed in in me and, and what i'd written even though the story was very odd because although it turned out or it started out as being a police story if you like a mm -hmm. police procedural it didn't survive the first page it turned into something else and over the three volumes, it became a kind of modern grail myth. I just let it take over. Uh, and he really loved it because it was so different to anything that had been done before. Uh, and the BBC liked it too. It's just that they suddenly didn't have any money. So Colin said, can you do anything else other than that? Can you write anything else? And I hmm, don't know. Well, I'll see. So I went home and I sat down in front of the computer wondering what the heck was going to happen. And I thought, I'll... A bit like Carl Jung did when he sat down at his desk and said, you know, I allow myself to go down into dark depths. He said, he just put the pen down on the table, he just leaned back in the chair, shut his eyes, and he went down in the escalator. So I thought, well, it's good enough for him, good enough for me. So I had a go at that, and then this thing emerged. Literally, the story began to emerge. Uh, it came up in images first, and the idea of a descent was, was important. Um, 
and I, the whole thing just just emerged as a narrative. Uh, the, the 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 plot line, everything, and it came up as Nemesis first, and then the the tagline, if you like, uh, the name Lilith. Uh, Behold, for I am Lilith, and my name is Retribution. Uh, and Retribution is Nemesis. So I thought, oh, Nemesis. Okay, we'll call it Nemesis. Um, and this, most of the story came through. As I said that the whole of it, enough to to write the the story. Uh, but when I talked to Pauline about it, and we kind of um, released it um, on Amazon with an ISBN number, privately published, in order to to contain the copyright for the story, she made some suggestions which made a huge amount of sense and really reinforced the story. So we had to do it again, and then we we uh, re renamed it Lilith. And this is the the expanded version of that which came out. And it became Lilith, the last temptation of Adam. We used the same picture. And uh, that's an image of Lilith on the back. And you can see that, behold, I am Lilith and my name is Retribution. That shield at the bottom, by the way, is Gawain's shield. Spotted that actually, because it's on the when on, on the on the ebook version or the um, PDF version. There is that little shield there, and you did point point that out to me before. You say because because the um, the Green Man as well is also part of the story. So you can see it on the spine of the book as well, the book cover there. So, of course, we couldn't use Pauline in the film because she wasn't as young as she used to be at the time. So we had to find somebody who who would do it. Sorry about that, dear. Ah, oh, that's quite um, all right. Yeah, she's fine about things yeah. like that. No problem. So we began to look for the right person, and to get the right person, we needed the right look. And the way that Lilith has been portrayed has been as a goth recently, uh, you know, a typical sort of vamp, heavily made up, sort of uh, exaggerated caricature of a figure, and that just didn't match the story at all, as it had been written. So we needed to find a girl who would be able to embody that particular image. And the image that we wanted was someone who was virtual in appearance. And by that I mean in the platonic sense of the platonic form. And again by that what I mean, and lads this is serious, you know, this is serious stuff if you get there. And if you've never been there you don't know, forgive me for saying that, believe me, if you do you'll know, uh, and if you don't, you don't know, but if you do, you really will. I'm going to just quickly say on that point, there's, I think um, a lot of the, the Jungian demographic, and myself included, back in the day, uh, there is that sense of there's something over the horizon in terms of like, we're all unconscious now, but we'll be like, the truth will be revealed. And it's something like an encounter with the, with the self, an encounter with the higher personality. And like the, the red book is held up as kind of the example of that. Some of the stuff we've been going through privately behind the scenes, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the red book. It's, it's, it's really not the red book. It is akin to this um, platonic form idea. Um, so I, 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 I can understand that it's for, um, and Plato knew that as well, of course, with his idea of Plato's cave, with no judgment built into there. It's like there is, you either see or you don't see, and that's that. Jung's own life is, is a story of, of him not being able to resolve the anima, despite mm -hmm. the fact that he, in modern terms <clears throat> at least, he, he coined that. Mm -hmm. he, he gifted it to us, but he didn't actually achieve it fully. Yeah in his own life. He didn't do it. Well, he's criticised by one of his grandsons for that, isn't he? He is indeed, uh, who's an analyst, yes. he's a young analyst, mm. yeah. yeah. 
Uh, As if to say he should have known better, which I think is a fair point, actually. Yeah, he, he, he had a number of uh, relationships. The most um, criticised of them all is the one with Tony Wolfe. Um, and he surrounded himself with a bodyguard of women who were known as the Valkyries, the women around Young. Mary Louise von Franz was, was one of the most mm. formidable of them. But there were others as well, and they're they all creative and, and, and wonderful in their own right, mm. but a lot of them were like nuns in the sense that they didn't marry. Mm. They were married to him mm. as an animus interject. Mm. So there was a lot of that going on. Uh, his wife was uh, a wonderful, wonderful woman, very, very creative in her own right, but for some reason that wasn't enough. And Tony Wolfe offered allegedly something that she couldn't, and yet... He never fully related to her in the way that he related to his wife. So his anima was divided between those two women and then further subdivided across other women as well. In that sense, then, he did actually fail to work with an understanding of the anima properly in a platonic sense. So that, that's another, another angle uh, to look at. But it's true also of the animus, you know. The animus has a form, a platonic form as well, guys. And if you want to understand the animus, you need to know about that because otherwise you will not know how you're affecting women, girls. You just won't. You, you need to know about both of them, the anima and the animus. And remember, mm. it's not an inner woman, the anima. The animus is not an inner man. It's projected. It tends to be projected that way. We've discussed before those issues. But when it is projected, when it is... It takes on a particular flavour and a particular power. And you then use that image to access the transcendence. But don't be beguiled by it, which is why I emphasise biology as much as I do. You need to understand that. Then you need to understand it as a relating function. Then you can access safely the transcendent without being pulled into it, <clears throat> without being consumed, without losing your feet or the, or the thread of you know, your individuation path. And it's the same for women too. So we were looking, weren't we, for the um, the girl who had the right yes, look? Yes, we were, which was incredibly difficult, really, yeah, very, wasn't mm, it? It was, yeah. One of the most difficult things I think mm. we've done. Yeah. So, so what, was, what was the process that went into to finding that particular girl? Well, well she had to fit the, the image a, a, as written. Uh, we had a lot of actresses, some of them very well-known ones, um, who were lined up and who, who wanted to do it because it's an incredible role. In fact, it's probably one of the best roles a woman could play, if if you actually understand the story. But the most important thing had to be the look, at least for us mm. at that time. And the look that we were looking for was, as I say, someone who could represent the virtual platonic form and perhaps Botticelli's Venus, that kind of look as well, that uh, virtual state that is... Mm from which you could you could draw out any woman mm. so mm. it's all women but none of them and that's where the virtual quality comes in so it's a woman who's almost plain rather than distilled in her yeah. appearance we, we couldn't go for anyone who had too obvious a look could we no. and, and mm. when we try to uh, involve colleagues and, and so on in that process they mm. nearly always came out with something that was to do with their own subjective preference yeah. rather than yeah. you know the form itself yeah. and, and yeah. therein lay a huge problem really it, it did didn't it yeah. and um, 
most of the most of the guys because they worked in the film industry or television yeah. uh, they were used to that kind of representation of the feminine and that they were pushing for their type yes based on what they had personally experienced yeah. and we were trying to explain to them that that's not what we're looking yeah. for and that if we find the right girl it'll have an effect on yes. you and on everyone else mm. i didn't believe it until we did <clears throat> and when we did people were going very very peculiar and very very strange mm. uh, around this girl not because she looked a particular way unless you emphasize that and i don't mean with makeup i mean with no makeup yes um or a particular hairstyle just hair mm. down mm. no ornate fingernails no red lips no nothing, nothing. just paired right back paired right back down mm. to the essence and just as plato knew from that any woman can be distilled because it links with the virtual image as Carl Jung understood it that's latent in the psyche and from that it becomes an ancestral spirit as well all of your ancestors are hooking into it speaking directly to you through your own DNA and that then surfaces in consciousness as this fascinating projection so we had to find someone who could do that and we did in terms of an image but the girl couldn't act I can remember when you found her actually mm. working up here and you called was, me up yeah. and, and basically said, you know, you'd, you'd found yeah. this yeah. young woman and what did I think of her and yeah. 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 And it was um, quite a random find. It was. I yeah. She, uh, she answered the, um, the casting call yes. that, that we sent out over the internet. Yeah. Uh, and we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, 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 of girls uh, sending Some pictures very in. beautiful. In a conventional sense, mm. and but that's not it wasn't what it we wasn't wanted. Nice, no. um, but we got we got this this particular girl, and we met her, and she has a very strong Lancs County accent. <laughs> anyone who remembers the Boddingtons, yeah, yeah, bless her. That yeah, direction, yeah. isn't it? She, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that in its no, of course in not. its context. No. So we found the face of Lilith, but we hadn't found the voice. And we put this to the guys uh, in the industry, and they said, "Oh mm. no, no, no! It's you know the voice is wrong. Mm. Oh, this is messing with my head, but the image yes. is great." And they began to get really strange then, and they just couldn't. I said, "Look, we're going to have to dub it. We're going to have to find someone yeah. who has the voice it's of the Lilith. creative solution, wasn't it? The creative solution, and almost universally, it was no, you can't do that. Yeah. I thought, what? Of course you can, but they wouldn't do it. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. Mm. So we we were stuck. And then whilst we were working on that, we, we, we started the, some development stills and videos and we got Maggie Riley involved, which is very interesting, I think, how that, that how happened. How that happened, yes. Yeah. Synchronicity there. A lot of synchronicity like, there. Lot, yeah. And while that was going on, one of our other projects started to get a huge amount of interest and that was the Victrix trilogy, which is the uh, mythic fiction based on uh, Rome, <clears> the last days of the Roman Empire in Britain. And the role of gods and whatever in myths at the time of the the crossover from the old religion to the christian faith and a lot of people were suddenly on that and we drifted away from lilith but with respect to maggie riley i'd already approached her she was a singer songwriter wasn't she yeah, for, for, mike for mike oldfield who did tubular bells um and he people also will probably remember that from the exorcist when there's a theme tune to yeah the exorcist. it's a theme tune for the original exorcist movie yeah. and he's a creative mm. genius without a doubt and, mm. and maggie was had this amazing voice this this crystal clear yes, voice, beautiful voice beautiful singing voice um and she'd written some amazing music so 
well, we both wrote to her and and said, you know, um, would you be interested in a collaboration on the Victrix project? And uh, she wrote back and said yes. And she said, oh, I see you've written a book called Lilith. Well, I, I have just produced, written and released a track called Lilith. Yeah. Um, this is more than a coincidence, mm. she said, mm. uh, saying perhaps it's written in the stars. And I said, well, do you want to do a soundtrack for us on that? And she yeah. did. She yes. did. Um, and her music fits it incredibly well, the ambience, doesn't it, mm, for, for it what does. we want. Even stuff that, that was pre-written as well. Stuff that was pre-written yes. before then, yeah. yeah. So um, the alchemy that was coming together of the image and music, because music can paint emotion, can't it, mm. in, a, in a way which is quite amazing. And if you pair that with the right image, you, you've got a very, very powerful message. Mm. And again, like we always do, you know, when we collaborate with other creatives, we, we let the musicians make the music, we let the artists do the artwork, the writers do the writing and so forth, and then the synergy comes. So so that was very important. So yeah, we had the right girl in luck, um, but we needed the voice. And then we got distracted, and then Lilith kept popping up like a cork, we just couldn't we couldn't get rid of it we couldn't suppress it it just kept appearing again and every time it did and some poor guy was exposed to it literally then things started to happen um one of the guys who's an experienced filmmaker um kept staring at her on the screen yeah and he he couldn't be pulled away he couldn't do his day job he it, couldn't could do he? he couldn't do his day job mm. he began to disappear over the event horizon mm. the black hole of his own unconscious yes. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, he rang you and, and asked and asked you, didn't he, to help for psychological help? Well, for to, help, yes, yeah. to stop that from happening because yeah, he it, felt he was so close to it. Yeah, and mm. it happened with others too. On the on one of the days that we were filming, this guy walked past her in the corridor. We knew him by sight because he he worked in the building where we were filming, mm. and his jaw dropped. And mm. uh, she had this white dress on, like she was going to a wedding. It wasn't a wedding dress; it was just a white dress. Mm completely purred back uh, but glowing and he said wow where's the wedding is she getting married said, no 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 we're just doing a film I'll marry her I'll marry her and he'd lost all of his rationality and followed her down the corridor yeah. and we had to gently edge him away <laughs> and um, it's peculiar because if you film this girl not in role she has a completely different effect um, very very strange there's something about becoming that character and that synergy uh, which definitely embodies the platonic form well i've experienced that as well when you sent over some of the uh, original footage that you did which which that's um uh, from from the trailer if anyone's seen the the trailer that's the girl that we're t talking about so it's it's that and you and you showed me this it's like 11 minutes 20 minutes or something of just her standing in front of a green screen she's got got her arms up like this and she's being She's channeling something, and I'm, I can't do it justice, of course, but she, there's a bit where, where she turns, and she's just... Yeah, that was the, the best bit of acting yes. she did, <laughs> and you know, it, it's like a laser, bang, yes. straight, straight in, mm. and it illuminates the platonic form. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's peculiar, but that's exactly what we were looking for, because the, the, the platonic form's where it's at, isn't it? Mm. And the Lilith story has to have a counterpoint to the, the feminine in that way, and it does. Um, and there is a, a, a dark masculine figure as well that represents the animus, who has a similar effect on women uh, as uh, Freya's image did you know, uh, on men. 
uh, and that forms this anima animus drama that, that, that goes right the way through the trilogy. There are several men in the story and there are several women. Um, they're all at different ages and at different stages of development, so the whole drama is important. But those two figures and their antagonism between one another and how they form the through line, very, very important. But he definitely embodied the animus exactly as we wanted the character to do. Mm. And again, guys, it's important that, that you understand that figure too because he's in you as well. Uh, deeply, you know, maybe not on the surface, but you will be able to constellate that in yourself if you know what to do and then you'll find that women start to see it in you as well and that will help them to develop and it'll help you to develop this is the whole it's point it's a synergy of this isn't it's it it's a synergy yes. you, you can you can well, yeah. I, yes i mean obviously um you know that's that's an incredible incredibly important thing because it as we've said before these things don't happen in a vacuum they no. vacuum they only happen through relationship either to an outer person mm -hmm. or if you try and develop it yourself on the inside yeah. it's preferable to do both yes um I, I know this might seem a bit of an aside but i was thinking too about um amy manson oh yeah yeah as well who yeah. who was someone else who we considered for a while well, she um, wanted to do it didn't she, she? wanted to do wanted it to, yeah because right, yeah. obviously we were trying to sort of get around the problem of the mismatch between freya's look and, and the yeah. voice yeah um but i mean it's important too because she was in a a, a bbc drama um desperate about desperate romantics, desperate romantics yeah. about yeah. the pre-raphaelite brotherhood mm. um so it, it's probably worth checking that out as well oh absolutely too. guys yes. yeah um, if you can desperate romantics it's i think it's on <clears> youtube um and you'll see the uh the representation of, of lizzie Siddle, who yes. was their muse mm. she's called the first supermodel in the 1840s and 50s she died a tragic death but without her there would have been no pre-raphaelite movement they absolutely needed the relationship to her and she became an artist in her own right, she didn't did. she? Absolutely. In yeah. fact, she I think she was a better artist than the Rossetti. Um, than Rossetti yeah. in the end. Dante. Dante yes. Gabriel Rossetti. Yes. Yeah. 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 So just just something else worth looking up, really, because it just it just gives you different yeah. ways of approaching the same yeah. phenomena, doesn't it? Really. So it's not yeah. just all yeah. Yeah. Uh, about the stuff that we've done but it, no. it, it is out there it's, as well it's the same thing yeah. it's the same thing essentially the, the portrayal yeah. was of, of a woman who was not heavily made, made up was purred yes. back but just had essential elements that yes. these artists could could weave yeah. their creativity around and mm. they were absolutely fascinated mm. by her through projection of the platonic form which, which is the undistilled virtual innate ancestral image that's looking inwardly outwardly though this gets projected mm. and then in a transcendent arising sense it's something that you can aspire to if you know how to do it and do the right things but of course the anima and the dark side is a death demon and you have the descent to hell as well so you really need to know what you're doing when you're encountering these images mm. most of our audience currently are men it's, it's shifted since since you so in the old days it was i think it was 99.9 percent male I think, but slowly, it was since you joined the team, Pauline, it's crept up to now about 5% female. I was thinking about this, that um, the whole idea of individuation being a video game, and it's like shadow, then anima, then self, or some kind of, some kind of workflow pattern. But it's like, if the anima is the relating function, you, you can't 
relate unless you understand the animus because it's a dance between the two of them so would you say it's, it's equally important than that say a man speaking because our audience is mostly men that they understand the animus as well as the anima that they're actually on par and you can't really do one without the other yeah i i think i think it's absolutely essential james and i think um I think part of the problem, we've, we've talked about this in the context of the, the shadow, I think part of the problem with approaching either the anima or, or the animus in a kind of formulaic way, which um, tends to be the case, you know, with a, a traditional Jungian approach, there are stages that you, you have to go through, um, is it can kind of, it can kind of almost arrest your development, I think, if yeah. you think that you can only start in a particular place. And if I think back, say, for example, to um, the beginning of our relationship, I mean, obviously, I, I was very, very young. Steve was a, a fair bit older than me. I still am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a huge age gap, no, but, no. but at that age, it's more significant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because you were obviously already out there in the world and you yeah. were a serving police officer. Yeah, I was, and, I was uh, 21, she was 16. Yeah, so you were kind of already out there in a man of action and, uh, yeah. and, yeah. and so on, which, uh, you know, relates to um, a woman's animus development. Development. But mm. um, you, for me, you were more than just that. Obviously, you yeah. know, you, you. I guess you were the the whole package. Um, in so much as you had a spiritual side yes. as well, mm-hmm. um, a very obvious spiritual dimension to you because of the kind of stuff that you you were you were into and steeped in, which was um, Jungian, wasn't it? Which was Jungian. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that time there weren't very many serving police officers who sat in the lotus position on the filing cabinet. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, no, I, in I, I the used general to, inquiry uh, office, I used for to, I example. Used to, I used to do that to yeah. wind them up, you know, yes. at work. I'd, I'd go into the sergeant's office and yeah. I'd climb up into a tall filing cabinet. <laughs> Sit in the lotus posture in full uniform and yes. start going on man who had me home um, to, to wind them up because yeah. the, the, these guys had, uh, had gone through the Second World War and then 30 years mm. police service. Yeah. Um, so that was the last thing that they expected to drop out of the, uh, the sky was yeah. somebody like that, some hippie in police uniform, which they fought me uh, to be because I would always grow my hair as long as I could get away with and, and do anything like yeah. that. There that was, that was difference. Uh, and I was very much into um, Eastern culture as well, which mm. some of the guys on the Discord, I think, are a, a little bit aware of now. Um, so hence the spiritual side, the, the, yeah. the Buddhism, for so example. It wasn't, it wasn't, I guess what I'm yeah. saying is it wasn't difficult for me to project my soul image onto somebody yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. you know, um, obviously I'm, I'm looking back now, aren't sure. I? A, a yeah. very long way with a lot of yeah. hindsight. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a mirror. It acts as a mirror for women as to how they can develop themselves. If you obviously be fortunate enough to find that person who you can project your soul image onto in the first place. But having said that, the the job is ultimately to take that back and develop it in yourself because otherwise, uh, particularly in a long term relationship, you 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 burden that person um, into carrying those aspects of the animus for you if, if you don't uh, bother to do the work and to, and to take those qualities back for yourself mm. but um, yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I was very fortunate Thank really you. Nice um, in, in that regard to to have met someone who completed me Thank you. Um, that's nice of you to say and uh, but now with you know I, I have to I have to work on my own inner completion as well um and, and whatever that well you've been doing that for so, decades yes uh, well but yeah. it doesn't end does it no it, it, it doesn't no. Um, no it doesn't you know as i think we say in the 
the handout, the heroes and heroines handout. It is. It's a lifetime's journey. It is. So yeah, it's never fully done. No, it, it isn't. And this is this will be my advice to to the the lads who are on a Jungian path that don't stop with Carl Jung. Because, as Pauline said, you'll get diverted if you do. Mm. Particularly if you think it's going to be, you know, there's a four-stage process yes. and there's yes. Eve and yes. start of Eve and end yes. of Sophia or, or yes. whatever. It's ridiculous. It is. It, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The, Sorry to interject. Mm. I was just thinking if I could just again you use, use an example. If I think about um, the state of my development at that time, like I say, I was obviously very young, but I, I can remember being younger again than that and nonetheless being aware of a spiritual dimension to my life um, and feeling that the, the need for meaning uh. was, was significant uh, and important mm. um, and also to develop my intellect and so on. Mm. So it wasn't just a case of being drawn towards a purely physical man no. for reproductive purposes. No. Um, I, I was well aware that there were other dimensions um, to my psyche even then even if yeah. I wasn't able to give them a name as such yeah. so yeah. I, I really I think you have to be really careful about thinking you have to move through things in some yeah. kind of ordered way yeah things are there anyway aren't they, they are but, uh, definitely yeah and uh, it, it's like typology as mm. well you know this idea you have a dominant and an inferior function you start with dominant and go to inferior yes. it's such a it, mm. it's not the way the real world works no, it, it doesn't work like that no. at all I always used to say to people who criticised Young, and this is going back a long time, decades and decades ago, when it wasn't as popular as it is now. I mean, we've witnessed an explosion of popularity in Jungian work. Yes. Even if you went back 20 years, you know, almost nobody was speaking about Carl Jung. It was a very rare knowledge. Now there's a lot, a lot of people are speaking about it. But I used to say that the best proof of Carl Jung is not in his theory. If the theory is just like a, a post hoc justification for the observations that you make, if you like, because everything that validates Jung's theory mm. is in the real world. It's not like you, you're creating a theory and then forcing the real world to meet it. He does actually explain things in the basic structures that, that he talks about. Yes. Some of the processes don't match. They don't. They just don't. No. Uh, but the things that he talks about, that he writes about, in the way that he does, are real. Mm. You know, mm. so the animal is absolutely real. Mm. Uh, and your starting point, if you want to develop, is going to be Plato. Believe me, mm. you'll get past all of this nonsense if you can go to that. Go to the idea of the Platonic form of the divine inner woman or the divine transcendent feminine principle. Go to that. You can't attain it. Because every individual woman, no matter who she is, is going to be, in Plato's understanding, an imperfect instantiation yes. of the divine, of the potential of wholeness. Mm. But if you relate properly to a woman, you can access that divine form through relationship to her. And therefore, you simultaneously access it within yourself. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Don't think of these four stages nonsense. No. And the good thing about Plato mm. is that it's independent of a religion. So there's no need to go on about Eve if you happen to be a Hindu yes. or a Buddhist or another Middle Eastern religion yeah. or, or whatever, yeah. or an atheist. Mm. 
you're getting beyond the limitations of containment by a specific view because you're going to the thing in itself which is the thing that Jung said you can't get to he said you can't understand the archetype Plato gave you a way of doing it or the best possible approach to doing it and this is Logos this is the dialectic but and here's another big clue from Carl Jung right thinking and feeling are both rational they're both rational. Mm -hmm. If you're one-sided, if you're a TI like I unfortunately have been cursed with to some extent, or I do my best to compensate, or James, you need to develop your feeling. Yes, he's absolutely right about that. Mm. And he's right to say that in the normal run of things, they are probably mutually exclusive because they compete for the same thing, the rationality of relationship. Yeah, But... To work out the dialectic, the Platonic dialectic, properly through Logos and accessing the forms properly, you need thinking and feeling. Because in the, for the Greek cast of mind from that particular period, an evaluative approach to Logos is as valid as an analytical one. So therefore mm. feeling and thinking are equally valid. And only if you create that as a theoretical problem in your mind will it be a problem. If you remove the idea that they're opposites and you transcend those opposites, you will, as a, 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 a thinking in, uh, uh, introvert dominant, you will be able to access your feeling function. And the closer you get to that virtual image, the easier it will come through. And it's not just thinking and feeling. If you're a sensing or an intuitive type, then it will work in exactly the same way. So don't desiccate the functions. Don't divide the animal or the animal stuff into four stages. No. It will confuse you mm. and you'll become trapped. Mm. You've become trapped by something that yeah. shouldn't trap you because you're not getting to the thing in itself. Then the theory that you have is getting in the way. Yes, Jung is right, but he doesn't always show you the right way of getting there. No. I think also too, Stephen, so say for example in something like Man and his Stimbald, if you, yeah. if you look at Marie Louise von Franz's yeah. contribution, certainly to, to the animus, um, then a lot of the examples that are given are, are of that time yeah. in which it was written. I mean, in that sense, it really needs updating. And I Does. guess that's what you've you've done through Lilith as well. Yeah. You know, you've attempted yeah. to, to make these ideas more accessible because they yeah. can be very off-putting if you're yeah. reading about, um, I don't know, uh, examples from the past and you just don't appear to relate to, no. to modern everyday life. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to bring yeah. things up to date you as need, well. You need something that's timeless to get to something that is timeless. That's really important. Mm. And, and the, the more of a block you put on that, the more of a problem it's going to be because you, mm. you just end up falling into a loop. And philosophies like that, you know, whatever school of rationalistic contemporary philosophy, you know, whatever, you, you will end up in a logic loop that becomes a prison. Yeah. You need direct experience. And this is where gnosis is important. Mm. But knowledge of the heart, right, isn't just thinking, nor indeed is it just feeling, nor indeed is it both, but it is a doing thing, it is an activity, yeah. it is an engagement, it is a process that forms part of the narrative of life, which is why a myth, if it's good enough, will take you right the way through from beginning to end, right the way through. And, and will show you those various transitional stages that you have to go through to distill yourself out from, which is alchemical as well and this is the problem with the with the rosarium for example though it's a great allegory 
it doesn't really tell you how to do it because it can't in that way because the only thing that can guide you through that is real world experience that is to be engaged in that process and that process is engaged with in the real world outside of psychotherapy all the time people are going through it as part of their natural lifespan developments that's the meaning of individuation yeah. but the fundamental elements are masculine and feminine regardless of how things are looked at these days by the way you know because those elements are still there mm. underneath the surface of, of all that that terrible terrible suffering that's going on with people not being able to feel that they can identify themselves in whatever way there are, there are deep structure issues that are, that are going on it will pass in time it will it may be decades before this phase does pass but it will because the universals will come through and they will come back yeah, I'm reminded of um, the beginning of our mentorship model that we had with, with each other. It's this idea of, you know, there's consciousness and there's unconsciousness and you don't know what you're unconscious of. And like taking a piece of theory, like say a typological uh, model, it doesn't tell you what you're unconscious of. It's, it's, it, it, you stick it onto your own field of consciousness and then you try and interpret everything through it. So it's not actually digging into your own unconscious at all. And so, and so when, when we first started this, you know, and I had all, all whatever issues that, you know, I had at the current time, um, you knew what the problem was straight away. And you sent me Lilith, the script, basically. And I was like, what? Why? Why? Like, I, I thought you were going to help me you know therapy or you know you were going to hypnotize me over the phone or something and you're like no just just read the script to Lilith and it's all in there and I was like right okay and I did and I really really enjoyed it and then I was like I, I have no idea what the anima is like I get it from theory I have no idea what it is and this this is the problem of being the the overamped TI is exactly as, as you said it's that a logic loop that you get yourself caught in and so through the biggest frame shift for me thus far is exactly what you just said which is the idea of thinking and feeling both being rational functions and accessing the real feeling it's not and then this is also why the, um, taking a collective myth and sticking it to yourself doesn't work especially if you are a thinking type in that way you're like ah oh, i can i can spot the motifs and I can, I can see the archetypes in action it's like that, that, that doesn't matter. You're not feeling anything. It might bring up a tear sometimes because it's so profound, but it's not really there. And then, then over time, as I slope very, very, very slowly, started to access a little bit of that feeling function, just, just a tad, and I'm by no means a finished product at all. That's when a taste of the divine form came through. And, and when that taste comes through, it, 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 it just knocked me out, basically. And, and I, I got that first initial taste from those, um, those that Freya test footage. I was like, this is kind of really weird. I can't think my way out of what she is inducing in me. It's like, you know, you, you get yourself really high, for example, of, 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 of LSD or DMT. It's like, that's real. And it's like, you can't think your way out of that. If it was the same thing with that, you know, I wasn't wandering around like a madman, but it was like a okay this is this is weird it's not sexual it's different it no it's 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 not sexual it's it, it's it's the weirdest thing and like when you were saying about the rosarium as well a real life experience of the rosarium and i have had one of those very very weird um nothing involving that is sexual it might appear on the surface but it's like it's it's, it's down here where whatever, whatever this particular chakra would be i've i've no idea about that 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 type of thing 
it's just yeah it's there you feel it it's not uh it's it's, it's not a, a raging animalistic thing it's kind of a, a healing thing actually and so, so it's all of all of that is within that plot of lilith and it's like it went just to my own journey it went from being like why are you showing me this i, I can identify the archetypes in action to being like no i get it no i i i, I do get it insofar as i do i do and it's been an incredibly healing process just to be completely honest with you if, if i if i could just flip that for a moment for for the ladies who are, are watching as well because um we're talking i suppose about the practical application of things and, and the utility of something you know in in someone's life um i'm reminded of uh, an interview an interview with young himself where he talks about um how he went to uh, a dinner, an academic dinner, basically, and he had the misfortune to sit next to a woman who was um, certainly well esteemed academically. And she spent the whole evening, you know, just talking about various theories and ideas and so on. And, and, and he talks about the experiences uh, being like listening to the encyclopedia Britannica basically and the only thing that kind of kept him alive was eating and drinking and uh, about a, an hour and a half later when she'd sort of finished with her, her, her exposition um, he basically turned to her and said well uh, and tell me what do you think and uh, you know she was obviously quite uh, stunned by that but there's a lesson in there it's for women that it's not just the acquisition um, of academic knowledge and ideas as in just, you know, collecting things for the sake of collecting them. But it's about having your own ideas, your own thoughts um, and developing your own intellectual capacity as opposed to just acquiring them from other sources. And again, Marie-Louise von Franz backs this up as well and talks about the, in, the importance of women thinking for themselves. So, for example, um, if, you know, women are trying to learn uh, about things academically and they're, you know, they're looking at all sorts of different sources of information, that they ask themselves the question, well, well what do I think of all of this what what are my views what are my ideas about what i'm reading as opposed to just acquiring information and and that's again it, that's the job of the animus of the positive pole of the animus when it's working well so it's not just about um trying to emulate men intellectually or uh appearing to be you know knowledgeable about lots of different things it's it's about taking those sources and then having your own perspective on things so again it's it i guess you know we're, we're linking into with sort of the handmade life again it's this idea of, of crafting something in your own way on your own behalf carl jung is not your psyche basically your your own psyche is your own psyche and that's it's, it, maybe it's maybe it's mostly thinking ties i don't know that's such a weird thing to get your head around having gone on this journey because it's like it's the vector of information and the vector for gnosis lies outside yourself is what that presupposes and it's like it doesn't it doesn't they 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 aid the internal prompt that can get you to where you want to go and and it, and it is an internal feeling it's it's a visceral thing it's not it's, it's not it's not a thought and um no, that's been hugely, hugely valuable to myself. So, mm. it's the way to get somewhere. Carl Jung is 
Oh, yeah, a way to go mm. to get somewhere, but it's not the goal in itself, mm. uh, and that—that's where people fall into the trap of Carl Jung's personal myth somehow obscuring theirs, and then they just—they become facsimiles of an impression of a deceased personality's persona. In effect, you can, that's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, and mm. they're not real. They're not, mm. they're not authentic in and of themselves. Mm. You know, the, the best way, honestly, to, to get to the anima in that transcendent sense is to go mm. after the platonic form and then relate to a real woman. And that, that will bridge it on the outside and the inside and it will it release. It's job done, isn't it? job is done mm. at that point. It's released. It's released. It's mm. brought into the world. It's instantiated. Mm. You have to make a suitable home for the anima as a man in yourself you have to you have to build the vessel otherwise it won't be there and you can't insist that an outer woman does it for you no you, you have to create the vessel if you do that you will attract the right woman and it's the same for a woman if a woman builds the proper vessel for herself for her animus yeah then she will become an incredibly attractive irrespective of what she looks like because looks are important but they're not ultimately decisive when you work on a transcendent level well that was one of the arguments that that was put uh, or uh, in defense of Jung about his interest in some of the, oh, the Valkyries Wolf. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, mm. and Tony Wolf uh, and, and some of the other women too uh, that yeah. he was able to see beyond yeah you know yeah, their yeah. looks if yeah. you like to something else and that he could value yes you know, other qualities that they had yeah. uh, whether that's you know absolutely yeah. accurate yeah. in all respects i don't know but uh... in, in your individual life though you do need to make a vessel for this platonic form mm. to enter into you it is the communion then mm. and then you then you can start to make sense of the rosarium yeah if, if you don't make a suitable vessel it will not it will not enter it just won't and you're going to be chasing illusions for the rest of your life mm. you really are you won't know how to relate you want to yourself or others if you're a thinking type, you won't know how to feel. If you're feeling type, you won't know how to think. Mm. You won't be able to, to join together the so-called irrational functions of sensing and intuition, and then all four of them together, so there are all options for you to use from within if you just stay one-sided and, and you don't access that. It was such an insight that Plato had, such an incredible insight. Mm. And the only people who understand him are artists. Mm. They will default understand that. Real creatives, no matter what kind of artists they are, writers, filmmakers, fine artists, where are the philosophers? It's in a, as Jung said, it's in a lamentable state. It's so horrendously one-sided now. Philosophy, just as psychology's gone wrong as well. So that, that, that's honestly the, the way to do it. And if, you, if you're a therapist, it, as a man, if you can do that, you can work with other women safely yes without harming them or yourself yeah it's so important it is very very important because uh, uh, you know if you work in depth with women you know as a man you're going to find yourself exposed to things that if you're not prepared for you'll have no idea how to deal with them yeah. the way to do it on the outside is to have a good relationship that is literally heart to heart and on the inside to be able to access the platonic form then you will be in proper relationship to your anima and it will not pollute your relationships to other women the same is true for women working as therapists 
and they work with men because otherwise every encounter you have will challenge you so much you won't be able to to work with it properly we used to have a a lot of female patients come to you and, and say uh, such things as I, I want to know everything you know yeah. like they just wanted to acquire it or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They they break down in tears and say things yeah. because of the transference, mm. and say and, and literally want to eat what they imagined yes. my mind was, yeah. and, and the intellect and absorb that in. Mm. Mm. You know, and I remember one woman said to me, she "said Thank God you're not good looking, because your mind is fascinating." Yeah. You know, and in other words, she was saying if you had had that in her perspective on top of that then she, she would have been completely crippled just by the encounter. Yes. So you have to you have to understand this and the effect that you're having. And there's the animus, isn't it? And, and that's an example of the animus. The desire to just acquire and, and knowledge. Even, and even female yeah. students who we've trained as therapists mm. in the past have had mm. the same kind of reaction. They've had the same problem. It's the yeah. power of the word. And, and Or as they understand mm. it to be the power of the word. Mm. And Jung had that too. And... and you know, there the, the were women who, who wanted to displace Pauline, you know, not in any real physical sense, but in a psychological sense. Oh, without a doubt, we, yeah. And fortunately, we we knew what that meant, what it was, how it was working through, and we were able to help those those young women, and some of them were middle-aged women at the time, and one was even older, but to help them to, to develop their animus through that understanding. But if that's not there, can you, you can imagine the yeah. chaos that will cause in yeah. people's lives. Well, that was my point before, yeah. really, in the example I gave with, with, with Young and this female academic. Yes. It's not just about the acquisition no. of ideas. Mm. Because you can do if you don't do anything with it, if it doesn't go anywhere, yeah. Yeah. then that's all it is. It's yeah. no more than that. You haven't developed yourself intellectually at all if that's where you stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, all those all those things are important. The the Lilith story is um, it is quite something. Mm. It, it really is, um, and it does form part of the promise that we made to Franz Jung to bring his father's ideas within reach of ordinary people, and to do that, that story has to be not obviously full of named archetypes. So you can point at them and say, oh, there's the anima, there's the animus, there's the shadow, there's the self, there's the warrior, hero, magician, lover. What a pile of crap! What yeah. a pile of artifactual crap. Mm. It must reflect real life, and not just real life externally, but simultaneously the real life of the inner world and the drama as that unfolds. Then you don't have to name things, because they're all there, they're all present, and they are in context. As soon as you start to reduce things and create caricatures and cutouts and make a pastiche, it becomes nonsensical. It really does, and there's a lack of engagement and a lack of feeling. But to, to, to engage with, dare I say it, instincts, you know, one of those forbidden words for some people, you, you will then find the drama of life unfolding, and then archetypes, as they can be understood, will have their proper context. The whole thing works at that point. So that's the way to, to produce an effective myth, psychological myth. So... You're saying that Lilith won't help you integrate your inner archetype of the Red Book, but uh, it will help you relate properly. Make your own Red Book. Uh, and while you're at it, have a life, you know, engage with real life, engage with your life 
span as it unfolds. If, if you do that, you will encounter archetypes, real ones, and you can measure them up against yourself as you unfold. But other than that, if you're not careful, then, then you will lose your way. And that's why people get neurotic. That's why they suffer, because they lose their way. And with those final moving words, I think it's probably best that we closed up the show today. So thank you everybody for watching, of course. You can pick up your copy of Lilith the book, which of course is being turned into a film. It's in pre-production um, by clicking the link in the description down below. Of course, we'd really appreciate it if you did that and it would be super useful for yourself on your own journey going forward. And apart from that, have a fantastic day. The lockdown's going to be lifting fairly soon, at least in England. So we're all looking forward to that. I can finally shave off my, my teenage beard. Um, so cheers. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Pauline. See you all again real soon. 